Thanks for listening to the church at Severn Run Messages Podcast. You can find more information about the church at severnrun.com. Enjoy the message. I don't know what else to say except, wow. (laughs) Somewhere along the way, uh, it's easy to lose the plot. It is easy to miss what's really important. And today we're going to look at a passage of Scripture where that happens. um, And and really, as we're going through Mark, we're looking at the extraordinary life of the Son of God. You know, how surprising it was that the Son of God even came to earth, and, and, and how you see time and again Pharisees who are, they're not intentionally evil people. They're people who have given their whole life to, to knowing God, and so, again, picture this. Here is somebody whose whole life is directed Godward, and, and you know, they're standing in front of God, Jesus, and they're arguing with God about God, and they don't even see it. It's easy to see when they do that. It's a little harder to see when we do our stuff, when we uh, lose the plot and and miss the point of, of what life together in church and in the kingdom is truly all about. And the reality is that Satan is a master of distraction. And he will use anything, especially people, pain, and religion. Okay, what were those three again? He will use people, pain, and religion hugely to distract you uh, from his kingdom. To keep you from living your life with your eyes full of Christ. Now I want you to to think about that, that image, okay? Because... Most of us live our lives with our eyes full of other people, um, either what we need from them or how they've hurt us, with our eyes on our pain and how life has not been fair, life has not been good, um, you know, and, and how we're, you know, afraid of, or, or if Satan cannot, you know, if he fails completely to keep God out of the picture, then what he's going to do is he's going to lead you to religion, which will keep you from Jesus. And in religion, um, all kinds of crazy things happen. I'm, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to, if you have broken people, anytime you have broken things bumping into each other, you know, you know, it's probably... You know, just inevitable that more things are going to break. So, so we're always, as imperfect people, I am an imperfect human being. There's always going to be times where our imperfection just bumps into each other, and that's, that's just life. But beyond that, religion takes broken life and makes it stupid and mean. And it does it in the name of God. That's the worst part about it. Um, so how many of you have been... Uh, how many of you have ever been part of a of a church split? Ever ever been part of that? It's it's an ugly thing, right? And and people are so right about, and then you fill in the blank whatever they think they're right about. In fact, they're so right about, and then you fill in the blank with whatever they think they're right about that that this weird thing starts to happen where love starts to go out the window, 
right? Because that's not as important as fill in the blank. This weird thing happens where, where God really isn't the issue, but this thing is the issue. I know one church that split five times, um, had a terrible reputation in the little town where I was, um, but they had literally split over the color of the carpet. They had literally split over which side the organ was going to go on uh, of the auditorium. And I mean like families that grew up together, they ain't talking to each other anymore. Just this weekend, I heard another story. I had to run up to, to, uh, to West Virginia. I heard another story of a church split there to where the right group actually broke into the offices and stole some of the money that belonged to them uh, because it belonged to them, <laughs> you know. Um, and, and it's funny how all these things seem so important to us, Right? Let, I mean, you're going to have to make this stick. You're going to have to kind of fill in the blank with your own stuff. But, uh, but, you know, what we just laughed at, you know, there's some of that stuff in our lives. Well, I think it should be this way. Well, worship should look like this. Or I, you know, I think we should dress like this. When I, when I was young, man, if you showed up, if you were over the age of like 23 and showed up in church without a tie, you was doing the devil's work. <laughs> right? Because what's wrong with you? You don't do that. The point simply is that Satan is a master of distraction and he will use anything in your life to keep you from living with your, your eyes full of Christ. And when your eyes are on Jesus, all this other stuff doesn't matter. It really doesn't. But throughout 2,000 years of church history, People have done crazy mean things, being right. Um, the whole Catholic, Protestant, all the wars, the hundred years wars, we fought for a hundred years over distractions. You know, I mean, it's absolutely crazy. Michael Servetus was burned at the stake by Calvin, the author of 10 volumes of Institutes, and, and he was burned at the stake because he was Armenian. He was, more, he was too much free will and not enough predestination. So I'm going to light a fire, and I'm going to set you on fire. E- even today, I know of, of churches and congregations. I know of pastors who don't speak to other pastors because you're Calvinist, and I'm a... Uh, y'all crazy <laughs> to me, seriously. And, and it's exactly the same sorts of of situations that we just saw and that we're going to see as we see the Pharisees standing face to face with Jesus and not seeing God. They lost the plot. But I want to say also that for many of us in our lives, we have lost the plot. We are living in a story in which it seems to be God absent. And the truth is that he is here. And that Jesus actually is present in your life, but we can't see him because we're not looking. You see, our mind is going to process life through one of two filters. <laughs> we're either going to be fallen and fearful, or we're going to be faithful and focused. And, and, and these things are, are pretty extreme. Right? I mean, literally, you're going to live with a very natural, fallen mind that isn't spirit-inspired, spirit-led. It's, it's not dominated by Jesus. 
And, and when you're talking about something, the name of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the call of Jesus is the great clarifier for you, you know? Um, and he's a huge big deal. You're going to either live with a fallen and fearful mind or you're going to live with a mind that is faithful and focused on Jesus, recognizing he is the issue. But religion is a lesson in missing the point. One of the, the big ironies of, of my growing up was, you know, I came from a denomination that didn't take the scriptures very seriously. I wasn't, I mean, I say I came from, I was nominally connected to this, this you know, Christmas and Easter once a year, uh, occasionally, you know, a little more, but not much. And um, the... You know, the, the, the heart that I wanted was uh, to be around a group of people who struggled with Scripture, took it seriously, wanted to see what it says and then live it. And so, so that's why I became, you know, a, a, a Baptist is because, you know, they, they, they tried to take the Scripture seriously. And then, and then right after I came to Christ and became a Baptist, um, at, you know, um, then the, the Baptist wars started over inerrancy. And that's the argument of whether scripture is, you know, trustworthy and true and literally, you know, can be literally believed or whether it's kind of metaphorical and and the whole point of this was I saw people do incredibly cruel and mean things in the name of believing every word of the scripture. All through college, all through seminary, you know, um, saw crazy things happen. The president of my seminary was escorted from his office in kind of a political coup because um, because he didn't agree exactly in some dumb interpretation. It was nothing about believing anything about Jesus. It was just dumb stuff. And the crazy thing about that always occurred to me is so, so my friends would say, I take every word of Scripture seriously. Literally. Really? Love one another as I have loved you. In the same way I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this will all men know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Well, I believe that, but it's really important that we agree on that. You just told me <laughs> that you believed. And so, so even as we talk about Scripture, uh, the, the reality is that, that we don't keep the main thing the main thing. We lose the plot line. We get, you know, driven down into blindness and cultural details and stuff that won't matter in a thousand years. It won't matter in eternity. We need to get back to the big picture. We need to get back to the main thing. And, and the reality is that if we live in, in uh, a life that is losing the plot, that is fallen and fearful, then then we're going to create a world where people and problems dominate and life always overwhelms us. So, you know, let's reverse engineer this. If you are always overwhelmed and, and people are what you think about most and problems are what dominate your life, then the reason that is happening is because you've lost the plot. You're living a lesson and missing the point. And what you think is important is not. And, and by the same token, if you're living with, with faith and focus, then you're going to live your life seeing a creation. Not a world you're, you're creating or a story you're writing, but, but you're going to see a creation, a work of God, a story he writes. 
You're going to see a creation where Jesus is Lord. And it don't matter what's going on and what's happening and who's doing what to whom. Jesus is still Lord. But, but, but no, Jesus is still Lord. When they were nailing him to the cross, he was still Lord. When they were mocking him and, and, you know, making fun of his powerlessness. No, they just didn't know the story. He was still Lord. When they, when they went to break the legs of the other two criminals on the crosses around him and they stuck a spear in his side to prove how thoroughly beaten he was and how hopeless his cause was, they were wrong. He was still Lord. Because the third day is always coming. So, so your choice in life is overwhelmed or overflowing. And, and if it's not overflowing, then you've lost the plot line. You're, you're down in the weeds of some other little thing that isn't going to matter in a thousand years. Am I saying that it's, it's completely unimportant? Yes and no. No, it's not unimportant because it's your life. Yes, it's not important because it's not bigger than Jesus' life. It's, it's not the dominant uh, plot line. It's just what's happening now that's going to be overcome by him then. So, so I want to share with you a couple of things that are just original. I wrote this. You've never heard this before. The main thing is to keep the main thing the... Some of y'all must have heard that before. Where'd that come from? And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. You want to know what's important in your life? That you have faith. That is vitally important, that everything you do is by faith. Romans 14, 23b says, whatever is not faith is sin. I hate that verse. Because it means everything comprehensively must be an expression of trusting Father. Not just in your head, but in your life, in your peace, in your confidence. I trust my Father. These things, three remain. Faith, hope. You don't live hopeless. Well, I can't see what... Do you see Jesus? The only way you can be hopeless is there's no Jesus in your horizon. When you live your life with a horizon filled with a Jesus, there's hope. It's like the finish line. <laughs> you know, I, I, again, when I ran cross country, I was, I was, not, the, I was not a great athlete. And my, instead of, you know, the Chariots of Fire theme song running as I'm, you know, playing as I'm running, I'm just thinking, I'm dying, I'm dying, you know, the whole three miles. But when I saw the finish line, oh my gosh, there's the finish line. All I have to do is get there. When your eyes are on Jesus, he's the finish line. Doesn't matter how tired you are, it's Jesus. You have hope and love. Love above all other things. And, and to make that perfectly clear, Paul says this, the greatest of these is love. Now, to make sure that we're not missing the plot, missing the point, what's the greatest of all these things? I want to hear it with conviction. Nothing else matters in comparison. Nothing else rises to the level to dominate the story. Nothing else fills your horizon. It is the love of God. And so I want to share with you that the love of Jesus is the main thing, right? The love of Jesus is the main thing. 
And this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. 1 John 4.10. We are loved. More than anything else in the world, this is what you need to know. And again, here's the point. As you and I stubbornly choose to live distracted, as we stubbornly hang on to our own stories uh, of overwhelmed, you know, no, there's other things more important. I'm telling you, and I'm, you know, I'm going to answer to God for what I'm teaching you as your shepherd. And I'm, I'm pretty willing to bet I'm safe on this one. You think other things are more important in your life. I'm telling you. The, the most important thing in your life is that you actually dare to believe that God says you are lovable, that you are loved, and that Jesus as the atoning sacrifice is this incredible, unimaginable, um, you know, huge revelation of, of this truth. And, and your biggest challenge in life is not what you do with your cancer, it's not your finances, it's not your spouse or, or finding a boyfriend or girlfriend or a better job. The biggest challenge of your life, the main thing that you will have to deal with and how well you deal with it will determine the depth of everything else is, will I let myself be loved? Because when the love of God flows into your life, then the love of God flows out of your life in an overwhelming way. You you are loved if you will let yourself be. So be loved. Let yourself be overwhelmed by God's love for you. And when you are overwhelmed by God's love for you, you will be overwhelmed by nothing else on earth. I'm telling you, you can be struggling for your dying breath. And have peace in that moment. Because what really matters in that moment is not that, and then fill in the blank with all the things you want to do the rest of your life. No, what really matters in that moment is faith, hope, and love. I trust God. I have hope. And I know that even in this moment, I'm so well loved. And Father, I'm going to love you back with everything I've got. Fear has no place in me. The love of Jesus is the main thing. And this is love that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. That you walk in love. Being well loved by the Father, his love flows down. Then I I simply let the rest of my life be a response back to God of loving him and loving the people around me. Let your life overflow with love for others regardless. This is the life of Jesus. And I, I, you know, here is a genius statement on my part, okay? <laughs> you, know, you guys laugh at my genius simp- simpleton statements, but I, you know, you're going to see what you look at. You just are in your life. And some of you right now are so overwhelmed and so sad and so hopeless and their faith is just, man, it's just this dying ember in your life and you, you are so angry that you haven't been well loved. And you don't see Jesus anywhere in your life, not really. And the religion that you've been trying to hang on to, it's, 
just not enough. You're kind of seeing through it, and, and it just isn't there. What I want to tell you is that Jesus is right in front of your face. And that you'll see Jesus in your life when you focus on him in your heart. And I don't mean just a little bit. I I don't just mean on the edges of your life. I mean when everything else in your life just fades to black and it just becomes Jesus. In Mark chapter 2, verses 23 through 28, there's one of a hundred stories in scriptures of losing the plot line. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields and his disciples walked along and they began to pick some heads of grain. And the Pharisees said to him, look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? What was important to the Pharisees, what mattered most was keeping the law. That is more important than anything else. You violate the law, you hate God. And so on the Sabbath, they came up with all kinds of rules about, um, you know, what it meant to, to honor God. And, you know, like, like you couldn't travel a certain distance from your home on the Sabbath because that was work. So you know what they'd do? They'd take a broken pot and they'd walk along, you know, X number, uh, you know, a half mile, drop a piece of pot. That's my home. And then on they'd go. And then they'd drop another piece of pot. That's my home. So I'm keeping the letter of, that's what's important. So, so, so just think about what's going on here. What, what the big picture is. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. Love puts skin on and it's right in front of your face. But you can't see it. Because your focus is on something else. Jesus answered, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In other words, guys, you are are missing what's right in front of you. I am God. But not only are are you missing God in the flesh in front of you, you're missing all of the scriptures you claim to love and know so very well. For in the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. And then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the son of the man is Lord even of the Sabbath. This was such a huge, this is one of the things that got Jesus crucified. This is one of the accusations brought against him uh, in his, his, you know, it wasn't a trial in, in his murder. They couldn't see Jesus. And he was right there in front of them. And you and I look at this now and say, why couldn't you see Jesus? He was right there in front of you. It's because they were focused on other things. And some of you in your life are going, I can't see Jesus. Why can't I see Jesus? He must not love me. He must not be there. He's right there in the middle of your story. He was there in the middle of your past. He was there when you were hurt as a child. He was there in middle school, in high school. He was there in your working years, your college. He's, he's there in the birth of your children. He's there in the hospital. He's been there all along, but you and I can't see him because we haven't kept the main thing the main thing. And Satan has allowed us to focus our lives on lesser things. 
And now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. And this is love, that God sent his son as an atoning sacrifice. Some of us are saying, God, if you would just do something in my life. He already has. He, He proved to you the depth of his endless love for you. He became an atoning sacrifice so that you don't have to spend your life exhausting yourself trying to be good enough. You are not. You never will be. I am not. I never will be. (laughs) But Jesus was good enough, and he paid the price. He did the work so that I don't have to work my way to God. I just have to fall into his arms in faith and hope and love. We lose the plot line. When we take our eyes off Jesus... And let what, are, what other people around us are doing, we let that grab our attention. Is that where some of you are today? I'm not asking for raised hands. Is, is what somebody else is doing in your life right now more dominant than, than what Jesus has done for you? Maybe it's a boss. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's a child. But is there anybody in your life who's got your attention more than Jesus? You lose the plot when that happens. We lose the plot when, when we lose sight of the big eternal picture of God. If, if these Pharisees had been walking along, you know, had got up in the morning praising God and, and just searching for him with a right heart and, and had, had lived their, that, that day saying, God, reveal yourself to me. I just want to see you. I just want to know you. I just want to experience you. I'm open. Father, I I promise you that when they saw Jesus walking towards them, their, their hearts would have come alive. Something would have burned inside of them. They would have recognized this is God. But they lost sight of the big picture. Here's the big picture. You were born in love into a broken world. And if you'll let yourself be loved, you've been redeemed into an unbroken world that will never, ever end. And it will be perfect, and it will be glorious, and it will be more than you can imagine, and God will wipe away every tear from their face, Revelation 21.4 says. Now, the only way that happens is God's hand on you. Imagine Papa one day wiping away all of the pain of your past. That's the big picture. This other stuff, it's just temporary. And we interpret all of it in light of that. We lose the plot when we lean on our own cultural understanding of, of things and make the small things the big things, you know. Um, you know, we, we must do this. We must have pews or we, or we must, you know, uh, we must use hymnals or we must sing contemporary songs. We must do this. We must do that. And if you're not doing that, then you don't love God. Really? That's the big picture? That's the main thing? It isn't white worship. It isn't black worship. And I thank you all that, that none of you have demanded that you have an attractive worship leader, you know, because <laughs> you know, I think we'd be in trouble, you know, I'd, I'd have Marsha here, <laughs> you know, I hope, <laughs> you know. The main thing is that God has sent love into the world. 
And he sent that love into the world, not for somebody else. He sent that love into the world for you to, to, to bring you into Papa's arms. We lose the plot line when we forget humility, presuming religious rightness. And, and, and you know, I just say you, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Everybody who truly lives in love lives in humility because you just can't do it any other way because you're not Lord and you're not Jesus and he is. And in light of him, your knee, your knee bows, right? You, you and I bend the knee to him. We don't stand over others you know, offering our edicts and our opinions as though they were God's. We, we lose the plot line when we, we look for the rules of Scripture instead of listening for its heart. What's the heartbeat behind this? We lose the plot line when we don't have the faith to see Jesus in the middle of our story. And guys, I just want to say to you, it takes extreme focus to bring extreme clarity in life. I, I, I've, I've done a lot of things wrong. I've missed a lot of, of, a lot of things. And I don't have all the finer details of theology right and everything. But, but honestly, I, it took me a lot of years to be able to even begin to thank God for growing up in an alcoholic family. The, the pain and the abject hopelessness, the hellishness of it, it, it I thank God for it because it drove me to look for an answer. And the clarity of that pain drove me to look for clarity. What really matters? And I'm telling you, part of what Satan is doing in succeeding in keeping you overwhelmed instead of overflowing in hiding God's love for you is, is You've got, a, you know, I'm not saying that none of us here know Jesus and that we, we, we don't, you know, in some ways, form or fashion believe, but what I'm saying is he doesn't have our, our focus. Because to have true clarity in life, you have to have, you have to have extreme focus. Jesus demands that we trust him. And, and it's going to be unreasonable. It's going to seem unreasonable. He's going to ask you to trust him in ways that are financial and in ways that are personal. He's going to ask you to be loving towards people that aren't loving towards you. And none of it's going to seem reasonable. But it only becomes reasonable when he is the creator of this life and story. And he is Lord of it all as well. And he is leading it, putting it all together, the parts of the puzzle you and I don't understand. And we trust that. We have faith, hope, and love in that. So you're marching into the arena in, in back in the day, and simply by signing a simple piece of paper, there were many different kinds of persecutions through, through Christian history. Each of them had its own character. Each of them had its own evil. But, but one in particular, you could actually just sign a piece of paper saying Caesar is Lord. It was literally the equivalent of, of, you know, of, of signing any kind of, of allegiance or swearing in when you're joining the military. All you have to do is just sign this piece of paper, and you could actually even pay people to forge your signature. And it would keep you out of the arena. Imagine being a mom and you have three kids. And they're, look, you're saying Jesus is Lord. Caesar has claimed he is Lord. If you keep up with your nonsense, we're going to march you into the arena and the lions and, and the hyenas and the other animals, they're going to tear you apart. All you have to do to, to, to raise your kids and be with them is, is just say Caesar's Lord. That's all you have to do. But if you insist on this foolishness of declaring that Jesus is Lord, then you're going to die. What do you do? Jesus said you declare that he's Lord. Well, that's not reasonable. 
No, it's not. It's extreme. But it's true. In Matthew 14, shortly before dawn, the scripture says, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. And they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It's me. (laughs) I'm the son of God. I am the creator of the universe. I'm the master of the wind and the waves that you see all around you. I am behind it. I am above it. I am behind and before. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. These wind and waves are real, but they are not to be your focus. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Peter, for a moment, he gets it. Jesus has captured his attention. And Jesus says, come. Peter got out of the boat, walked on water, and came towards Jesus. But then the scripture says, he saw the wind, and he saw the wave, and he was terrified. Now, now, Jesus says, just make me the total focus of your life. All-encompassing, all-exclusive, dominant. How reasonable is that? It's not. It's not at all. Were the wind real? Yes. Was, were the waves real? Yes. Are your finances real? Yes. You know, your spouse isn't pleasing you anymore, and, and you want to be loved differently, and yada, 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 so I'm just going to replace them. And go. Is, is that reasonable? I, I guess, if, it's, if you're the sinner. It's Jesus. And the only way that any of this works, it takes extreme focus to bring extreme clarity to your life. And and many of us here are living in fog and confusion because our lives are completely out of focus. Here's the way they get back in focus. You look to Jesus. And then you double your focus on Jesus. And then you double it again so that Jesus and just Jesus is the only issue in your life. No person, no problem, no impossibility. I can't be walking on water. Yes, I can. I can. But only. If I'm seeing Jesus over everything else in my life because he has my heart. Guys, please don't let Satan cause you to live a life where you've lost the plot. And you think God isn't there and he doesn't love you and you're going to die one day. That, I promise you, is going to happen. You're going to die one day and you're going to be with God and you're going to say you weren't there and he's going to show you how he was there every step of the way. No good father lets his, his toddler toddle across 695 during rush hour. It doesn't happen. Papa ain't going to let you go through life getting hit and destroyed. It ain't going to happen. You just got to regain the plot line. Believe you're loved. 
and overflowing with that one reality that God sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for my sins. That He's going to take everything that happens in time and fit it together for all of eternity, believing that one thing, you will then gain focus and clarity and overflow being the love of God on earth. It's time to refocus. It's time to repent. It's time to have faith, return to hope, and receive love. Papa, I pray in these moments that you would help us as your kids to regain our focus, to recover the storyline, and to let you write an amazing God story in every one of our lives, an amazing story that is all about your son, Jesus. So Lord, in these moments, stir our hearts to respond to change, to refocus, to renew. If you enjoyed today's message, feel free to share it with your friends. And as we like to say, love well, live Jesus, and believe big.